Hey everybody, welcome to Harmonize and Flow, a podcast about embodied holistic living. I'm your host, Juno Sisoyan, and today I have an interview with Namisha Sorkar. Namisha is a really talented healer. She is an acupuncturist, a doctor of Chinese medicine, and just a brilliant person, in my opinion. And we have a really interesting conversation um, today where we look at some of the underlying emotional causes for physical um, challenges, and we really zero in on the topic of anger. Um, and so Namisha shares a bit from a Chinese medicine perspective, and there's tons of great, really practical tools, but also just mind-expanding philosophical discussion on different ways to look at this issue. So I hope that you enjoy, and if you want to find out more about Namisha, you can follow her at Evolutionary Acupuncture um, on Instagram or check out her website in the description. And she does do long distance um, sessions. And if you're in the Asheville area, I definitely recommend hitting her up. Uh, One final note before we dive in, we did record this in the great outdoors. So I hope you enjoy the soothing sounds of crickets and cicadas in the background because they definitely made their guest appearance. Um, enjoy. Hey, Namisha. Hello. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Yeah. So, Namisha, do you want to tell us a little bit about your background? I'd love to, yes. I'm a Chinese medical practitioner. I practice acupuncture and Chinese herbalism. Um, I practice a classical style of Chinese medicine, which is a little bit different than the TCM that's practiced in most schools in America. The classical Chinese medicine is based off the classical texts of China, so it's a little bit more holistic. It um, really acknowledges the spiritual aspect of Chinese medicine that I think got lost um, during the Cultural Revolution in China when it just became more systematic and more able to treat the masses rather than more individualized to the spirit of each person. So the term is classical Chinese medicine versus traditional Chinese medicine, right? Yeah, it's very confusing. That is confusing. Yeah. Uh, So traditional Chinese medicine is what was developed after the Cultural Revolution in China. It's basically a way to treat the masses. Um, General Mao tried to do away with Chinese medicine altogether and then realized that um, he didn't have enough doctors that were trained to treat the population. Mm -hmm. So then he... Is like okay. I guess some some acupuncture in Chinese medicine is okay, but it's only the acupuncture that's been stripped away of all the spiritual aspects because that's not really in alignment with what their government system was at the time. Mm. So classical Chinese medicine is based off the classical texts, and um, it really reflects like the different changes, historical changes that China went through, and each of the practitioners and systems that was prevalent reflects what was going on um, during that historical context. So it's a really beautiful way of not just viewing the holistic view of Chinese medicine, but also the historical context and how that affected the medicine. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And do you happen to know when that changeover happened? Yeah, the Cultural Revolution happened in like the 50s and I think like 1954 or something, maybe mid-50s, early 60s. So that's a relatively new change, a very new change. Yeah. And the main distinction is that they kind of leave out the spiritual aspect. Does that also mean like 
the emotional component too? Not necessarily. It's more actually based off of classical Chinese medicine. It's more based off of the classical texts. And TCM is more based off of um, point prescriptions and basically like this is how you treat this symptom sort of thing. So right. It's a little different. It's a little I hard see. to explain. I started actually at a TCM school mm. and it, interestingly enough, it was um, most of the faculty was Chinese, and so I thought I was going to be getting a really authentic mm. education. And then I remember asking one day, like, what are these ghost points? Like, I see these in the textbook. What does it mean? And the teacher was like, oh, it's not important. It doesn't mean anything. And then I was like, oh, I feel like there's a huge part of my education that's being missed. And so I, I was aware that something was, like, not being told and somehow yeah. came across the school in Asheville Dallas Traditions and found out about um, the difference between traditional Chinese medicine and classical Chinese medicine after being in a TCM school for a year. Mm. So I ended up transferring to this classical Chinese medicine school in Asheville and I basically had to start over from scratch. Mm. So I did Chinese medicine school for five years instead of four. Wow. Yeah. Oh my goodness. What a yeah. journey. Yeah. Well, it really shows... Um, Namisha is my housemate and also my acupuncturist and Chinese medicine doctor, and she's been amazing. I've just like come to you with several different issues, and I'm always so fascinated by and inspired by how you explain and talk about whatever the issues that I'm dealing with from so many different perspectives and just from the Chinese medicine perspective as a whole and I feel like there's a lot of depth and richness in how you convey that and it really um, yeah, helps me see it from a, a deeper, more holistic point of view. So, well, thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm really grateful to have you here. Thank you, grateful to, to be here. About this and to get yeah. to get to partake of some more of your wisdom. So, yeah. Um, yeah, we had talked a little bit about, um, and we talk about this a lot, actually, I feel like when we meet for our sessions mm -hmm. and just casually when we're conversing about um, the emotional relationship between illnesses of, of all kinds and, like, emotional underlying causes. Um, so, yeah, do you want to talk a little bit about that specifically? Definitely, yeah. Um, so in Chinese medicine, there's these two main etiologies for disease. There's what we call EPFs, where, which are externally pathogenic, external pathogenic factors. Mm -hmm. So that would be like viruses and bacteria, mold, fungi, things like that. And then there's the IPFs, which are internal pathogenic factors. And internal pathogenic factors are basically our lifestyle, um, the foods that we eat, and also our emotions. And from what I've experienced, the internal pathogenic factors um, are really the source of most people's issues. So even if somebody were to get, say, like poison ivy or a spider bite or something that seems like very external, at the core, there's something within their energy field that's magnetizing that external event to come to them. It's almost like a weakness that's allowing 
this external pathogen to penetrate their energy field. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really interesting perspective, and I, I, I really feel that that's true most of the time for me. Um, and at the same time, I feel like there's a something that can happen where I maybe become paranoid or that can create like an obsessive kind of thinking where anything external you're like what did I do to attract this or create this and so how do you like how do you work with that for yourself internally you know when things come up to not become like at at what points are you like you know this just is an external factor Mm -hmm. and it just is what it is and I need to kind of treat it Um, or do you always see it through that lens and try to like treat both aspects and how do you kind of yeah do that without being paranoid in a way about your your internal state if that makes sense yeah totally well first of all i don't think disease is a bad thing i think disease is a way to bring us back to homeostasis and Mm -hmm. really it's just part of our evolution it's just like to bring us back to kind of to help us become more aware of our blind spots so it's not necessarily like, oh, I'm a bad person or I, I right. constantly worrying and so now I have, you know, this disease or something like that. I don't think it's that simple. I think it's more like we're being, when we deal with disease, we're being offered this kind of choice to either go through this disease process and see it as a way to kind of strengthen ourselves from it or to like feel victimized from it. So really the internal pathogenic factor is a way to take self-responsibility, which can be daunting because then it seems like, oh, is everything that ever went wrong my fault? That's not really what I'm saying either. Um, It's more so just a way to look at it in a different way and maybe see that it's an opportunity to become more aware of something that you weren't aware of before. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, really, it sounds like more of a mindset approach of seeing things as an opportunity for growth or an opportunity for evolution as opposed to, yeah, something that you've been befallen with or that you feel victimized to, which I think if you zoom out and look at, like, the worst possible tragedies or atrocities or, you know, starvation or hunger or illness worldwide, like, it's it's really hard to see that in those perspectives sometimes, mm-hmm. but I do think even in those cases on a deeper spiritual level, there is like a message to that, like all illness or imbalance is kind of, yeah, an invitation or it's a, it's a signal that we are not in homeostasis. Mm-hmm. And not that there's any kind of like, yeah, I think the superstitious part is when people are like, the God did this or God, right. you know, like it's right. like a spiritual belief that like we, we should be, we're being punished yeah. as opposed to just like a signal that something's out of alignment, right. um, you know, planetarily or in our consciousness mm-hmm. and then, you know, working to find that alignment or that evolution because mm-hmm. I do feel like we're on an evolutionary journey hopefully some of us some of us are on a de-evolutionary journey it seems but yeah (laughs) yeah everybody's on their own path definitely so what are what um like what are some common emotion like what are some of the most common like internal pathogen what is it internal Internal pathogenic pathogenic factors 
that you observe in your practice? I know you see a lot of people. Mm. Like, what what do you notice again and again comes up? Well, I think the, you know, like, okay, so each of the organ systems deals with a different emotion. Um, we say that the lungs deal with grief, the liver deals with anger and frustration, the earth element, which is the spleen and stomach, deals with worry, the fire element of the heart and small intestine deal, deal with anxiety and joy, and then the water element, which is the kidneys and the urinary bladder, deal with fear. Um, so there's that model, five-element model of thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, what I tend to see personally is a lot of repressed anger and repressed grief. Mm-hmm. And often, I think, in our society, um, you know, we see anger as abusive, and so it's not okay to be angry. And so, in Chinese medicine, there's this really common pattern that's called liver chi stagnation. And liver chi stagnation is basically frustration. Um, and that frustration is kind of like a anger that's not really... that we can't totally express, and so it gets stifled. So the wood element, which deals with anger and frustration, is basically all about wanting to be fluid and wanting to be able to move. It's kind of that feeling of, I always say, of like getting stuck in traffic, and like you really want to move, but you can't move, and it's really frustrating. Mm-hmm. So that's something I see a lot. So liver cheese stagnation. Liver cheese stagnation, yeah, yes. And that, and which is emotionally represented by, like, suppressed anger. Mm-hmm. And how does that, what sort of physical symptoms would people experience uh-huh. who have liver cheese stagnation? Mm-hmm. What would that manifest as? Um, tightness in between the shoulder blades. Mm. Headaches. I'm not familiar with that. <laughs> oh, Headaches? none of us are familiar. Yeah. I feel like literally everybody deals with this. It's yeah, so normal, yeah. and it's, like, nothing to, like, be ashamed of. Right. Like, I deal with it. We all deal with it. Sure. It's a cultural sickness. It's not like a personal issue necessarily, especially in our culture. Um, So so that's one thing. Another really common thing is uh, like the PMS symptoms of like, it's so common to have PMS in our culture that people think it's normal because everybody deals with it. And it's like the breast tenderness, the bloating before you start your cycle, like Sometimes the feeling of fatigue is like a little bit better if you take a walk. Not being able to take a deep breath because your diaphragm feels tight. Like so, that diaphragmatic constriction is the liver tightening. Mm. I think because like our society is so goal oriented, which is a wood element uh, part of being that when we're not able to have that immediate gratification of fulfilling our goals, it causes liver chi stagnation. And we live in kind of a society where people are used to immediate gratification, and so then when it doesn't happen as much, it's just very frustrating. Ooh, that's really interesting. I like that. So it's kind of like the way that we're set up culturally to think about and view things that this need and obsession around instant gratification sets us up for feeling frustrated and angry all the mm-hmm. time because that's just not reasonable a lot mm-hmm. of the time, and yet we're kind of conditioned to think that that's how things are. Right. And, um, hmm, that's 
That's an interesting thought. So, yeah, so what are, like, okay, that's one way of kind of mitigating that, right, is like changing your mindset and your mm-hmm. perspective of the things that are causing you to feel angry in the first place, mm-hmm. like like maybe being a little too goal-oriented and being a little bit too strong-willed mm-hmm. um, can actually set you up for that frustration and anger. So like working on some of that and being more comfortable maybe with with simplicity or with being able to go with the flow. Slowly, yeah, with the flow. being able to go with the flow and what is and. And taking time. Yeah, exactly. And having more patience. But what else, like, what would you say in terms of good, other good outlets for moving that on an emotional level? I know that there's acupuncture and herbs you prescribe for that. Yeah. I I think that um, different types of somatic movement that help you get more in your body and to help release things from the body is a great way. So like qigong, yoga, exercise is great, um, but also sometimes exercise can be disembodying, and I think the goal is to really, especially when you're dealing with an um, inner emotional turmoil, it can be helpful to like get more in your body to release it from your physicality. So things like shaking can be really good. You know, animals do that in the wild when they mm-hmm. go through a stressful experience where they just shake. Yeah. So things like that can be really helpful. A lot of somatic movement, shaking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting you say that about exercise being like a way that some people try to get out of or be disembodied. Um, mm-hmm. Do I do think that's true? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Cool. Yeah. And then you work that in your acupuncture sessions yeah. using needles as well. Yeah, yeah. And so, herbs. Yeah, herbs are great. Acupuncture is great. Me personally, is that like I am, of course, happy to do acupuncture with people and give them herbs and stuff, but I really want to teach them like what they can do for themselves and mm. kind of like this kitchen sink approach of like, okay, if I feel like I'm getting ill, like what herbs can I use that I already have in my kitchen or like what tools do I have in my tool belt that I can use to heal myself? So, like, yeah. I personally like to try to teach people things they can do for themselves in the moment of when something's coming up. Yeah. So, yeah, that's why I coming back to, like, the Qigong and mm-hmm. the different embodiment exercises, I think that can be really helpful. Yeah, really interested about this anger thing in particular because this is something that I've been trying to work on within myself like when anger comes up trying to both understand it and then also find a healthy way of moving that energy and it does seem like we don't have a lot of constructive ways in our culture of dealing with anger and I think it's interesting how it's sort of come out in a subverted way through the internet and people like use social media forums to release their pent-up anger yeah. and frustration, Yeah. Um, you know, with, without dealing with as much consequence maybe as they would for exactly. dealing with it in person. And of course, lots of people do express their anger through, like, violence and, you know, in mm-hmm. ways that are unhealthy. Um, but I find it to be, like, a real conundrum personally when 
strong feelings of anger come up that seem irrational at times, you know, um, like especially around my cycle or certain times when I just don't really know why it's even coming up. I just feel like I want to freak out. Like I just Mm -hmm. want to go into the Mm -hmm. woods and throw some bottles and I don't always know how to deal with that energy. Um, I think like all the lifestyle practices that help sort of preventatively mm-hmm. are definitely a big factor. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I need to get back on my journaling game. Cause, like mm-hmm. journaling helps me like purge a lot of my frustration, thoughts of frustration or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, those things definitely all help mitigate a diet and you know, living a balanced lifestyle for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, yeah, when even sometimes when I'm doing all those things, it can come up and I don't definitely. always know how to, to, to deal with it in a constructive or healthy way. And, um, yeah, so it's, it's a really interesting kind of, I don't really have the answers, for yeah, it, you know, but totally. I think it's cool to explore and also hear that so many people do experience that, that you, you know, see, and that it's just like a cultural mm-hmm. phenomenon. I think there is a lot to be angry about. There is a lot to be angry yeah. about. You're right. And, you know, collectively, like as women, we're often taught, like, don't get angry. Like, that's not a feminine yeah. thing to do. It's okay to, you know, be sad or to be anxious, but yeah. it's not okay to be angry. And I think people are so afraid of their anger because they're like, oh, if I get angry, I'm going to be abusive. I'm going to yeah. be like that abusive person. I'm going to be like a tyrant. And really, there's, it's okay to be angry, mm-hmm. and it's okay to express that anger. And I think that's the best thing to do is to express it in a way that's not directed at a person. But, you know, if you want to go, like chop some wood or like mm-hmm. go in your car and just yell at the top of your lungs like I think that's great yeah that's yeah. one of my go-tos is get in the car <laughs> <laughs> preferably if I'm speeding down the highway not yeah. speeding but you know going <laughs> 65 yeah. and just scream my head off mm-hmm. um yeah I've heard chopping wood is really good I don't mm-hmm. do a lot of it but um and then you know I do think there is a place you know who was it my therapist was talking about I forget what culture it is maybe it's like in Tibetan Buddhist culture I don't quote me on that but in in some sort of spiritual tradition they actually have like it's almost like a ritual theater where they they intentionally come together for the purpose of like yelling at each other and Uh fighting but it's like in it within a container so like two of them will like come together and they're speaking in a different language, so you don't know what they're saying. But you just see people just, they're just yelling at each other and making crazy faces. And, like, but it's all, like, it was decided upon before they started. And right. it's, like, it's, like, a cathartic yeah. ritual. And they're they're arguing about actual things, like, you know, spiritual debates or whatever it is that they're talking about. But they're actually given the opportunity to just, like, let all yeah. that go. And I thought that was really fascinating. That's really brilliant. neat. And, like, we don't have... It was actually relieving for me because I have had, you know, felt a lot of shame around, like, and if I ever express anger to somebody, and I really try not to do that Mm -hmm. at someone, Um, but then, you know, particularly in romantic relationships, there are times when arguments come up and I would always, like, bear down if I would get angry and try to not let it out, which I feel like is almost worse, and so it was almost like a, I don't know, um a permission slip to like explore it a little bit with within healthy parameters yeah. and 
and had a really great experience, you know, not that long ago of like getting to let some of that out, and it actually felt really good. Good. Like it was, but it, but yeah, it's a really fine line. Like you don't want to take that too far. Right. But it right. was kind of consensual, and that's... so yeah. Wow, that's really fascinating. I love that. I think that's Isn't a great it? idea. You know, I think the it, the problem isn't emotions. The problem is not expressing emotions mm-hmm. in a healthy way. And there's we have so many interesting coping skills in our society of, like, ways to express emotions. It's like certain emotions are okay. Certain emotions are, like, pretty taboo, um, especially for different genders. Like, it, that can be another factor. So... Any, any way that you can express emotions that's not attacking somebody or putting somebody into a compromising situation or yourself into a compromising situation is, you know, let it out. I think that's the best thing to do. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, there's all these, like, practices that have been developed, I feel like, by kind of culture, uh, like... For example, there's been grief rituals. That that idea that's come from Africa has been kind of taken on by some people in the Asheville community, mm-hmm. anyway, and in different parts of the world, where like people have an intentional space to grieve. Yeah. And I think there is some space for anger in that, but mostly it's about grief, which is a little bit different. I right. Think. Um, and then there's like there's like the laughing yoga. So like, mm-hmm. but I don't really feel like there's straight up <laughs> anger ritual. You're right. There, it doesn't yeah. seem like there is. Maybe we should make one. Yeah, yeah. I think we should. I mean, let's get like the boxing gloves out. Yeah. You know? Once when I was really angry, I there, there was this like old mattress and there was like a hoe, like, you know, the garden tool. And I just like took the hoe to the mattress and just like yeah. started beating the mattress. With the hoe. It felt so good. It was great. It was like relieved everything. Physical. And, yeah. yeah. Yeah, totally. I have, yeah, the pil- the screaming into the pillow thing is often really relieving for me, too. <laughs> nice. I like <laughs> doing I that, to too. Do that. There's something about releasing the, like, angry mind, too, mm-hmm. like the thoughts, the angry thoughts that I feel like I don't always have the opportunity to do. Mm. I don't really want to say them to somebody that I'm actually angry with, like, and I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't want to unleash that on them. I don't want to unleash that harm on them. Mm-hmm. Um, so like using sound and movement works, but also I feel like it would feel really cathartic to get to actually say the things that that part of me wants to say mm-hmm. just every once in a while, you know, just to get to let it all out without with the abandon. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, we, we'll need to talk about, about that. Yeah. I, I really like this theater idea. I think this, there, yeah. you're onto something. This, this could be really good. Yeah, because yeah. it's, yeah, people, it does seem like a real issue. Mm-hmm. And then the theater has become social media. Right. And that seems, right. and then people just take it too far, and they're going at each other rather than doing it in a consensual exactly. way. Exactly, and it doesn't seem like they're actually releasing anything. It seems yeah. like they're stirring themselves up more. <laughs> so it doesn't seem like it's actually that healthy all the time when people just right there's that the internet. line between like releasing and actually just stirring it up more mm-hmm. and creating more anger mm-hmm. that can be hard to discern mm-hmm. so okay. what are some like foods and 
practices that you would like recommend to somebody who has, you know, some maybe anger, anger blockage like or that. stagnant liver chi? Like, yeah. Well, we talked about movement stuff. Yeah, um, are movement there foods stuff. That you would definitely. Recommend? And I also want to say that I think that a, you know, I talked about like internal versus external pathology, and it's it's all very related, and it it's coming to us to be dealt with. So it's like, yeah, the the anger is something, and also the fact that we have like environmental toxins that our liver has to deal with might be part of the reason, part of the picture too. It's like our livers are having more to deal with to purify themselves, to deal with toxins than they used to, yeah. like 100, 200 years ago. Mm -hmm. um, so that might be leading to people's stagnant liver chi as well. So... I think really like clearing the, the toxins out of yourself, like whether that's like emotional toxins or environmental toxins, all of it really is important. Um, specifically for like anger, which is part of the wood element, you want to do things that are helpful to that, which would be like dark leafy greens and avoiding like fried foods and really heavy greasy foods and sugar like sugar is very bad like hard on the liver mm -hmm. you know and so and alcohol right? and alcohol exactly alcohol yeah it is definitely and it's interesting because alcohol is one of those things that in the moment can be really helpful to relax the liver because hmm. it moves the blood and it just like moves the chi and it's a depressant so it's kind of like a band-aid approach where in the moment it can make you feel really good and like oh I'm not mad everything's fine the same thing with pot like you know in the moment like oh my liver chi is totally fine I feel relaxed I'm not angry anymore just having that drink after work and like I totally forgot how much I hate my boss <laughs> but what it ends up happening is it actually clogs the liver up more. So it's kind of like a band-aid approach that in the moment it seems like it's working, but in the long run it's actually creating more problems. Um, specifically, it creates dampness, which is kind of like this confusion, confusion and being stuck in this cycle, the same cycle over and over again, which you kind of see that with people. It's like they get home, they have a six-pack, they forget about their problems for the night, and then they just wake up even angrier having to do the things they don't want to do, and then back to the six-pack, forget about the problems. It's just kind of a cycle that people can get stuck in. So things that help the liver are things like, uh, yeah, dark leafy greens, anything that helps dandelion is really good, milk thistle, chrysanthemum tea is a really good one, sweet potatoes, beets, things like that, root vegetables. And do all those things help? like detoxing the liver from alcohol because now I'm thinking with people that have a bit of an alcohol addiction or or a big alcohol addiction they probably had that stagnant liver chi or that anger in the first place mm -hmm. which is probably what drove them to drink because it gives that momentary relaxation mm -hmm. but now they're actually adding to that and ultimately it's, it's like become, they're making a bigger mountain for themselves mm -hmm. So hmm, I, that's yeah, that's kind of interesting, definitely. and that that makes sense why it's so hard 
for people to quit those things. Like the addiction is not just physical, it's emotional. Mm -hmm. And it's like digging yourself into a deeper pit. And so the journey out seems steeper um, because there's still the like initial stuff to deal with that you were using the alcohol or the drug or whatever Mm -hmm. to band-aid it with. Um, And so, yeah. Do those things, does the, the liver have to be detoxed from alcohol? Or, Definitely, yeah. yeah. I think it's like, you know, healing is like unpeeling the layers of an onion. And so, you know, part of it is like taking away all the extra stressors. So it's like, you know, when you're in the, on that healing journey, it's like first giving up some of the things that got you into the current situation that you're in and that might be like starting off with some of the physical things which usually people want to start off on some of the physical things like oh take you know my pain away or help me quit smoking or something and so it's like first you know you're peeling away these addictions Mm -hmm. but what always lies underneath the addiction is trauma so it's like okay that's the root cause like we're getting into the heart of the onion as we're peeling the layers back we're getting rid of like the addictions and the crutches but then we're like okay well why did that start in the first place it didn't just start out of nowhere so then you kind of get to the heart of it so to speak and that's typically where the emotional traumas lie yeah 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 that's why it's easier said than done with definitely being on a health journey because like seems like the healthier you get actually the deeper you go into your personal onion and the more trauma that you have to deal with and work work through right um because addictions can go so far into such subtle layers you know Mm -hmm. i'm still working on mine we all have them yeah we all have them yeah and and it's it's a continuing process yeah peeling back that onion and then and sometimes you have to make peace with like well i'm you know working through this particular layer not there yet right and i'm I'm working through it Um, right and maybe I'm eating this chocolate to, you know, in this moment to deal with that. Exactly. <laughs> um, and, and, but having a goal in mind, getting past right. that. Um, yeah, and I think a big part of it is just awareness. It's like, you know, often times of like food addictions, it can be like, oh, I am having these like uncomfortable memories come up of like this trauma that might have happened that might be suppressed. And, you know, maybe in this moment I'm not ready to have those memories of, like, underlying sexual abuse that, like, happened that I forgot about and suppressed come up. And so I'm going to eat this pint of ice cream and make a commitment to myself to deal with it tomorrow when, but just, like, knowing that, like, okay, I am going to deal with this, but, like, you know, be gentle with yourself, too. I think that, like, one of the biggest problems with healing is, like, the shame. Like, the shame spiral can just get us so stuck in something that sometimes it's, like, really hard to change because we just feel so bad about ourselves. So I think clearing the shame is, like, one of the big steps and just, like, telling people, like, we all have addictions. We all have, like, habits that lead us towards disease and that's okay and it it's okay that we have that because we're human and we can change it we have the power to change it yeah 
yeah, we have the power to change it, and it takes a lot of courage and, and commitment, and it takes time. Yeah. Back to the the virtue, you know, thing where people want the instant gratification. I think that can come with the healing arts as well, and people used to, especially if you're used to the Western medical system, where they're like, yeah, just take this pill, you're done, you know, go home, even though we know that doesn't usually work. Um, but... Yeah, similarly, I think people need to adopt a more compassionate and slow approach to healing and realize mm -hmm. that going to see your acupuncturist or your herbalist or your naturopath or your massage therapist or your counselor, that, that doesn't mean it's not a, okay, how many weeks until I'm fixed? It's like, you know, you're on a lifelong journey. Exactly. And, um, relax and take your time and just stay committed and, and focused and keep, keep And don't going. get discouraged if, like, you seem like you're getting better, what, yeah. whatever that goal is, you're reaching the goal, and then you get set back because that's part of it, too. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's like heard people say that healing is like a spiral staircase and you keep going around and, like, seeing some of the same triggers and it's like oh, wow, this is still up for me, mm -hmm. and this is up for me again. Oh, wow, this is still up for me. And yeah, that's okay. That's part of it. It changes a little bit every single time, and it's not going to, like, totally change overnight because think of how long it took you to get there. Right. It's like a lot of these things are, like, very deep-seated from childhood. Yeah. Or even from, like, our ancestry. Yeah. You know. Deeply embedded and imprinted and in ways that we're not conscious of. So if you're, like... I thought I dealt with this. You're like, well, you may have dealt with some part of it, but our un what's unconscious goes so deep, and so so much of how we're operating is just happening on an unconscious or subconscious level, and so it takes time to like reprogram or heal all the, and maybe we never do all because there's always going to be backup <laughs> storage memory of, of the past or old imprints. Um, I, I don't know, maybe we can reprogram it all, but it takes a lot of time to to reprogram the waters mm -hmm. of our being. Definitely. You know. Yeah, I had an experience where I, I was promoting my coaching on on uh, Yelp just mm -hmm. like a couple years ago, and I got a call from somebody who said... Um, not to make fun of this person, but just just to make an interesting point, and it is kind of humorous. Um, he asked me, okay, so how many sessions is it going to take for me to open my crown chakra? Wow. <laughs> um, I'm like, well, that's not really how I work, and, you know, I don't, I, I have no idea, really. Like, I can't really tell you that. Um, first, we could, let's talk about what you think the crown chakra is, or what that means, you know. Yeah, but how many, he kept reiterating, yeah, but do you think it's going to take three, will, will, can we do it in one session, and how quickly can I open my crown chakra, that was his interest, um, and it was just like, yeah, such a blatant kind of representation of people just applying like our westernized mentality to, say, your spiritual evolution in this case, like, and there's a lot of, I think, unlearning that has to happen when people go start on a more holistic mm -hmm. path of all of that and I definitely have been there myself like sometimes I come to 
a session with you or with whoever I'm working with, with this sort of like over eager mentality of like, all right, I'm going to fix this. And like, we're going to fix it today, you know, or like I get in my head three weeks, it's going to be done. It's going to be fixed. It's going to be over. And that's, yeah, just having to unlearn that again and again and realize like, we can't, we have no idea. It could be, it could be fixed and fixed isn't even a great vocabulary word for it, but it could be resolved or, you know, in, in a more healed state within a day, it could be years and being in that unknown and that mystery and on that journey can be scary sometimes. Definitely. Definitely scary. And also it's, it can be disconcerting and um, people can want to give up it, which I totally get why. But just know that healing is like, it's a slow medicine. Yeah. It's like, you know, the Western biomedicine um, really excels as like an emergency medicine, I think, personally. Yeah. And so it's like when you need something <laughs> fixed really quickly and it doesn't matter like what the side effects are, you just need it fixed. Like you need your arm sewn back on. Like go go to the ER and get that done, yeah. and it will it will happen quickly. Yes. Um, but you know, if you want to work on the spiritual, emotional being, it might take some time because it took some time to get you there. Right. Yeah. So just to kind of recap, if people are dealing with anger specifically, <laughs> um, and they've got. And they might know that they've got some suppressed anger if they get a lot of headaches, they have a lot of tension in their bodies. Mm -hmm. Trouble relaxing. Trouble relaxing. Maybe some insomnia. Some insomnia, definitely. Um, Frequent sighing is one of those weird liver cheese stagnation things. Sighing. Yeah. It's like that diaphragm is tight and it's like the body wants to get more air in. But Mm. um, like all, yeah, different different uh, bowel movement issues like diarrhea or constipation because um, the way that Chinese medicine works too is it's looking at how the systems interact with each other so it's like when the wood element is out of balance it tends towards um, being a bully to the earth element which is our digestive system and that feeling of contentment so like the metaphor behind that is kind of like you know the earth element is all about grounding and nurturing and support and then the wood element is all about striving and goal orient being goal oriented and um, having like kind of that visionary aspect creativity mm. and so it's like sometimes you know obviously having goals is a really good thing but sometimes when we get too enmeshed in that it's like we're never satisfied we're never mm. content and so it's like how to harmonize those two things. Mm. That's the wood overacting on earth uh, pattern that I see a lot. And I think it's more of like a cultural thing. Um, and so some of that, so some rebalancing could happen by cultivating the earth element, would you say? Definitely and, cultivating and how would that, that look? Yeah, cultivating the earth element, but also the mediator between... So that's the control cycle. There's like the five elements, and there's a system of checks and balances that happens with the five elements. So that's the control cycle. Like the wood controls the earth element, but there's also a generating cycle. And the elements in between the wood and the earth element 
um, that kind of like mediates the two is the fire element. And the fire element is all about like joy and enthusiasm. So it's like if you're somebody who feels like they always have stuff to do and they never have enough time and they're just like never content with where they're at, it's like maybe thinking about like, well, how do I mediate this like need to strive and this like desire to feel some contentment in my life? And in, it might be bringing in the fire element, which is about joy. So it's like, well, what brings me joy? What what do I feel the most enthusiastic about? Maybe that's the goal that I should focus on. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. So it's like you're you're mediating a conversation between right. these organ elements, which mm-hmm. are also emotional elements, mm-hmm. within yourself. So you're like, you've got your liver, and you've got the earth, and they're like kind of at odds like in, in, in terms of like what they want, right? The wood is like, go, strive. The earth is like, be content, just chill. Nourish yourself. Be yeah. So what you're suggesting is there's a way to mediate that. Yeah. By, so there's these other elements like, okay, fire comes in and fire is like, well, maybe apply this wood energy just to what really you're passionate about. Yeah. Um, but then also know when to rest and nourish and and be content but contentment will probably come from doing what you love yeah i love it yeah it's yeah it's so um beautiful beautiful system yeah Yeah. it gives you hope definitely because it's like oh there's there's a solution there's always going to be a solution um or a way to harmonize the situation at hand Mm -hmm. and acupuncture really helps with that it does i really have had such amazing results, especially right after or in the days mm. after. Mm-hmm. And I do have like internal consciousness shifts as well, like wow. when, after getting acupuncture. And so, yeah, go get acupuncture with Namisha. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, or anyone really. Right. It's like we all have different affinities and, you know. Yeah. yeah. No, no, definitely go see okay. Namisha. Okay, thanks. <laughs> um, if you're in the Asheville area. Yeah, if you're in the Asheville area. Or, yeah, go see someone locally, but um, I really appreciate that in our sessions you give all that context, or, you know, you, you give some context for what you're doing, what points you're working, so that I have, like, a framework of what is being worked on, and, and I have, you know, I feel like more tools to go home with um, than just, you know, all right, I'm going to put some needles in you, and, you know. Which can work great, too, but I think, I feel like you're really thorough with that. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And so, any other words of wisdom? I know we covered anger, and I'm sure, like, there's so much depth to each emotion, but this is probably good to just kind of focus on that one. Um, Not really anything I can think of other than just that, you have the ability to heal yourself. We all have the ability to heal ourselves. And um, it's just about learning some of the tools and being patient on the journey. And it's not going to happen overnight. So just be patient with yourself and be open to the possibilities. Yeah. yeah. And how can people find you or reach you? Well, I have my office is located in Asheville, North Carolina. My business is called Evolutionary Acupuncture. And so you can find me on the internet. I have a website 
or you can email me at evolutionaryacupuncture at gmail.com. Yeah, awesome. And Namisha does acupuncture, but also you prescribe herbs, and you work with moxa and gua sha, and a lot of um, different techniques that you might not get everywhere, so it really is a special experience. Well, thanks so much Thank you. for talking with me. Yeah. This was really informative. Yeah, it was so great. Thank yeah. you so much for having me. Yeah.